You're listening to Words of Encouragement, the preaching ministry from the pulpit of the First Baptist Church of Winsboro, Louisiana. Today, the gospel and misplaced praise. The gospel and misplaced praise. Today, on Words of Encouragement. Have you ever... I don't know if you've done this. We talked. I asked last week, have you ever been a part of planning something and um, you know all the planning that goes in, all the decisions that have to be made and all the preparation that has to be made and all the work that has to happen in order to pull something off, an event off. Uh, well, this morning, have you ever praised the actions of someone who held an event and been told that they weren't the ones who did the work? You ever done that? You ever said, "Oh, I just, everything looks so great. Thank you so much." And there, ah, I wasn't part of planning. I was, I, I, I was just here to help out just a little bit right at this moment. I wasn't part of the initial planning. I've done that. I've felt embarrassed before when I've thanked someone for just a wonderful event, and they've said, "Oh, it wasn't me. It was all these people over here." And I'm, "Oh, oh, oh, okay." I don't know why I felt embarrassed. Uh, I, I did not know. I did not know who had worked on the event, they had no clue, but I wanted to thank someone, I wanted to thank people, and I like doing that, I, I'm a bit, a bit of a Barnabas at times, I like to praise people, thank people for uh, the energy and the effort that they put into things, uh, in fact, I, I, this past week I wrote two letters to two of our people who shared at the convention, who, who preached, uh, and I just was very inspired by it, and I wrote them a letter thanking them. Uh, but it's, it's important to praise those who have done the work, who have worked hard on an event. Uh, but I need to know who to thank. Once I found out who to thank, I would go and thank them. Uh, now that person I originally thanked, the one who didn't do the work, could have just said, well, thanks, I appreciate it. You know, could have just ac- accepted the praise and moved along, but they did not. They refused to accept praise for something they did not do. And that's important. There's a lesson to be learned in all of that. And I want us to look at Paul and see what situation he found himself in today as we look into Acts chapter 14. Beginning in verse 21. We're going to look at verses 21, 23, but we'll be looking at obviously more verses than that this morning together. And I'm going to ask if you're able and willing, would you stand in honor of the reading of the Word of God? Bible tells us, After they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying, through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. When they had appointed elders for them in every church, having prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. May God bless the reading of His Word. I invite you to be seated this morning. Last week we saw where Paul and Barnabas fled to the cities of Lyconia, Lystra, and Derbe. We find here what happened 18 miles south, southwest of Iconium in Lystra. Is there no synagogue in Lystra? If so, it is not mentioned here. But look at verses 8 and 9. 
At Lystra, a man was sitting who had no strength in his feet, lame from his mother's womb, who had never walked. This man was listening to Paul as he spoke, who, when he had fixed his gaze on him and had seen that he had faith to be made well, what is happening here? Paul is preaching. Now, Paul is aware of who he's preaching to. He is aware of who he is preaching to. He's watching them. He's looking at them. He's taking note of them. And so he fixes his eyes on this one man. He sees he's listening. And he senses that this man is accepting what Paul is giving. He senses that this, there's something, this man is making some, he's taking in the communication that Paul is, is uh, putting out there. He's receiving it. And Paul senses maybe this man is believing. Is, does this man, is this man sitting there nodding his head? Uh, I am an active listener if there is such a thing. I don't know if you've, uh, if you've ever spoken in front of me. I'm a very active listener. I will watch you. I will, I will nod my head. I'll agree with you. I'll, I'm watching. I'm listening to every word you say. I like people who are engaged uh, when someone is listening. And so it's important that I be engaged. I learned that a long time ago. If, if I'm going to speak and I expect people to listen, uh, then I hope that I'm speaking in a way that, is, that people are listening. But it's up to you to be a listener and to be an active listener, a passive listener, but a listener none, nonetheless, but being a listener. Uh, and so I, 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 you know, I used to think, well, those, you know, there's some people that don't even look at me while I'm preaching. Doesn't mean they're not hearing. Doesn't mean they're not listening. And so I got over that. <laughs> but what was happening when Paul was preaching? Did this man nod his head? We do not know. It does not say. Uh, was he watching Paul without blinking? You know, just, just oh. So focused, he couldn't even blink. We don't know. We don't know. We don't see that. There's no evidence that he did not blink. Does not say. But what does it say? It says that Paul could tell he was listening in faith that he could be healed. There was something that told Paul that this man had faith. A faith that could make him well. Look at verse 10. It's a, this is Paul. I said with a loud voice, stand upright on your feet. And he leaped up and began to walk. Now let's make sure we understand what happened here. A man is healed. Who healed him? Ah, is there disagreement? Is there division in the house? Who did the healing? Who did the healing? Who has the healing power? God does. God does. He used Paul. But God has the power. God is the one with the power of healing. And so God did the healing. Who did he use? Paul. Obviously, he uses Paul here. One of the biggest mistakes in all of Christianity is when we incorrectly identify the one through whom a miracle has taken place rather than the one who exercised the power for the miracle to occur. We have a man out there still out there. Costi Hen's dad. Costi, the son uh, of Benny Hen, has walked away. Walked away from his family. Has followed Christ a little more closely. Has decided that he doesn't agree with his dad. Who claims to have healing power. Well, 
The question I always ask with someone who says they have healing power is, why aren't you at the hospital? Why aren't you at the cancer units? Why are you just having events where people come and you're, I don't understand that. If you truly have healing power, then go to the hospitals. Go and heal everybody. Unfortunately, God's will is not that everybody be healed every time they get sick. Think about this. Use some logic. If God had wanted us all to be well and never get sick, never have any ailment that led to death, we would be confused. We would think, well, this is heaven. Heaven is not where God is. Evidently, God is here because He's healing everybody and everybody's okay. So maybe this is heaven. We would be confused. This world is a temporary world. This world is not heaven. This world's not going to be here forever. And yet, there are many who preach, God wants to heal everybody. God wants to heal everybody. If He did, we'd, all, we'd never be sick. I mean, really, we would never be sick. But in this Point, at this point, in this service, in this sermon, as Paul is preaching, God moves and there's something happening and Paul senses this man it needs to be healed. This is a God-appointed moment. This is something God wants to do. And Paul calls out and says what he says here in verse 10, Stand up right on your feet. Wow. And he leaped up and began to walk. We sometimes get mixed up and think that people can perform miracles when in reality only God can do that. If you need an example, look to the doctor who saved your life or the life of someone you love. When success in surgery or in, or in medication occurs, what do we do? We say, oh, thank you, doctor. Thank you so much. That doctor made me well. Uh, in a sense, he helped you to be Better. He helped you to get well. But it was God who provided the knowledge so the doctor could have the knowledge to know what to do and to be led in the right direction. Have you, how many of you watch these doctor, some of these doctor's shows on TV? It's okay if you do. It's okay. I mean, it's a, oh, only one who can admit it. Okay. Uh, well, well, I won't ask who watches General Hospital. I'm not asking. I don't watch it, but I'm not going to ask that. But in these shows, you find out that sometimes, oh my goodness, they're making, they're just making an educated guess. They're just, try, they're like, well, well, we can try this. I mean, it's not guaranteed. There, here's all the possibilities that could happen. Here's all the side effects. We don't know. It's the only thing we can do. Sometimes that's the case. And you think, oh, okay, yeah, well, you do what you can do. Well, then sometimes there's a decision to be made and they have to make the call. And, and they make the call and in today's Shows on TV, sometimes it's a bad call. And sometimes they lose their patient. You know, back in the day, they never lost a patient, it seemed. But today's shows, well, they're facing reality, and sometimes it happens. But when you look at that, you think, oh, wow. So these doctors, they're not all-knowing. They don't know every decision to make in regards to your health. They're trying. Oh, yes, they're trying. Because they want to, you know, they want a success rate. They want to be successful. They want to make sure you get better. But they don't always have the, the exact answer to the problem. But they're trying. And so, look, when success occurs, yes, we say, oh, doctor, this is the doctor that did it. No, but it's God. It's God who used him as a vessel through which to work and to help us. 
The doctor doesn't perform miracles. God does. God does that. Only God can perform miracles. And that's the first thing I want us to see. Only God can perform miracles. Well, here comes some praise. Praise for the miracle arises. Look at verse 11. Now, this happens. He began to walk. I mean, this is amazing. People see this and they're like, oh, 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 oh my goodness, I know that guy. He, I, he's never walked a day in his life and look at him. What's going on? Look at him go. Oh, my goodness. They are excited and they're excited about what has happened in their midst. Look at verse 11. When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they raised their voice saying, saying notice this, in the Lyconian language, the gods have become like men and have come down to us. Ooh. This doesn't sound very Christian, Brother Craig, and it's not. <laughs> it's not. This, they are attributing this miraculous occurrence to the gods at this point. The gods who have come down to us. Notice they spoke in this Lycoanean, Lycoanean there we go, language. This is evidently a language that Paul and Barnabas did not speak. They began calling Barnabas, Zeus, and Paul, Hermes. Even the priest of the temple brings oxen and garlands to the gates, wanting to offer sacrifices with the crowds to these men. I mean, can you say, uh-oh, I think they're going a little overboard? Yeah, I think so. They are offering praise to the ones whom they felt had performed this miracle. Now, that is a very base, natural, human reaction. I don't want us to beat up on them. These people, it seems, have no knowledge of the one true God. And they're doing what they can to praise those who have performed a miracle in their midst. So they praise the ones they know. They praise the ones through whom the miracle occurred. As if the power were all in Paul and all in Barnabas. As if they had the power to do miracles. When a person praises and worships anything or anyone other than God. To them that person or object is an idol. A.W. Pink writes this. He said an idol is anything which displaces God in my heart. Ooh. I think that's a really good description. Anything which displaces God in my heart, anything that moves God off the throne is an idol. Well, I like this. I really love my life. You know, you, you can think of a lot of people whose life is summed up in what they do. Oh, man, their life is gymnastics. Their life is fishing. Their life is hunting. That's their life. I mean, that's all they ever do. If they had to work, which many of them do, well, as soon as they get out of the, as soon as they leave work, they're going to hunt because it's who they are. It's what they do. But we must be very careful about displacing God in our hearts. Even for these who do not know God, they are committing adultery. Their praise and worship are misplaced. It needs to be on God and on God alone. Look at verse 14. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of it, now, see, this is why I say they evidently did not know that language because they were saying that, and they, it seems as if they were right there near, but they didn't understand it. Well, then they did hear of it. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of it, about them being called Zeus and Hermes, they tore their robes and rushed out into the crowd. 
crying out. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Now, some of you have seen this before in the Scripture. Some of you may have seen this in a movie or something where they rent their clothes. They tore their clothes. The tearing of the clothes is an expression of revulsion at a blasphemous attempt to regard men as divine. That's what it is here in this passage of Scripture. You, many times it's, I, this is, this is an, uh, I'm witnessing an abomination. This is not holy. This is not good. Oh my goodness, I'm terribly upset. You know, this is horrible. They're, they rend or tear their clothes. It's a visual way of expressing repentance or perceived blasphemy. They were making it very clear that what these people were doing is wrong. Here come Paul and Barnabas are tearing their clothes. Oh, no, no, no. Wait a minute, you people. No, 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 no. You're praising the wrong ones. No, 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 no. This, what you're doing is wrong. They rush out. They rush out. It doesn't say they walked out or meandered out there and said, Oh, uh, y'all, y'all don't need to be doing this. No, they rushed out there. This was important. These people needed to know that what they were doing was wrong. Misplaced praise is occurring. And Paul and Barnabas are going to stop it right away. They don't wait around. They stop it right away. Look at verse 15. And saying, men, why are you doing these things? We are also men of the same nature as you. I mean, we're, we're human. Pinch us. You know, we're human just like you. And preach the gospel to you that you should turn from these vain things to a living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. Notice Paul is not addressing Jews who know God. He's addressing people who do not know God. He points out that God, this is why he does this. This is why he points out that God is the one who made everything. He starts at the beginning. I'm sorry, the beginning, a very good place to start. I had to say that. But there it is. It's always, sometimes with people you have to start at a different place in sharing the gospel with them. If they're... If they know about God, they know a little about Him, then you can start in a different place. But here are people who are like, ah, they're, you know, Zeus. I mean, they're, they're following other gods. And Paul says, wait a minute, I have to start at the beginning for them. They need to know who I'm talking about. And so he starts at the beginning, points out God is the one who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is within them. They needed to know who He is Notice Paul asks them why they're praising them as gods. Paul also calls God a living God. A living God. He's alive. He's not dead. He's not some idol. He's alive. And Paul makes sure they understand this as opposed to their non-living idols. He tells them to turn their attention away from the dead idols to the living God. Look at, look at verse 16 and 17. In the generations gone by... He permitted all the nations to go their own ways. Okay, what is he talking about? He's talking about the other nations. Uh, you've got the Jews, his, his people. You've got the Israelites, his people, the Jews, his people that he has chosen to be his people. And the others, he has allowed them to go their way. And yet, verse 17, and yet he did not leave himself without witness in that he did good and gave you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. He's allowed the Gentile nations to do their own thing, but he did not leave them with any, without any way of knowing who he is. He supplied rain for them. He, a fruitful season and, and, and the filling or the satisfaction or the satisfying of their hearts with 
food and gladness. God allowed them to know that those things are there and they've been provided by someone. So the Gentiles would have an idea of some, somehow this happened. And they begin to question and wonder, is there someone beyond? And many of them thought, oh yes, and they had their own, one, their own gods that they followed. But the one true God they did not yet follow. Wow, according to verse 18, even then they had difficulty restraining the crowds from offering sacrifices to them. Paul went through this. Look, this is who God is. This is, but it says, even saying these things with difficulty, they restrained the crowds from offering sacrifice. Can you imagine? Oh, we want to worship you. You did this miracle. This is such a wonderful thing. No, 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 no. Whoa, 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 whoa. No, no, no. Oh, it's okay. <laughs> you know, oh, wait, I guess on the sandal or something, enlighten a sacrifice. I mean, just, whoa, wait a minute. No, <laughs> we're not doing this. This is not, what we're, this is not why we're here. Not for you to know us and worship us, but for you to know the one true God and to worship Him. Paul and Barnabas trying to make this point. Second point for us today, only God should be praised for miracles. Only God should be praised for miracles. Well, guess what happens again? Number three, opposition to Paul arises, but the mission continues. Let me say that is, the, that is probably one of the biggest understatements for me to say. Opposition arises. This is not, oh, well, that Paul and Barnabas. My, I mumble about Paul and Barnabas. I can't believe they're sharing this God stuff about it. Oh, I do, oh, oh. No, this is, not, uh, this is not even elevated a little bit. Well, I think we just need to push them out of town. We'll just find a way to get them to leave. No, this is an understatement, the word opposition. I don't want you to get the idea that there were people that just whined about Paul. It is much worse. Look at verse 19. But Jews came from Antioch and Iconium. Oh, boy. You remember the Jews that were there in Antioch and Iconium? They didn't like them. They wanted them out. They did all they could. They stirred up some women and some key leaders and said, Yo, get rid of them. Let's get them out of here. They tried to, they had a plan to hurt them, harm them, and they left. Look at this. They are so bent out of shape that they leave Antioch and Iconium and having won over the crowds, Luke writes, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. Wow. Wow. They travel from Antioch and Iconium to Lystra. And they stone him to the point where they're pretty sure he's gone. As if the gospel message would just stop if we could stop Paul. If we could just stop Paul, this stuff would stop. The message would not continue to be spread. It's like they weren't even thinking very well because in their own cities there were believers because of Paul. And those believers told other people who became believers, who told other people. You can't, you know, what's the, the don't shoot the messenger. <laughs> I mean, come on, really? But they're thinking, yeah, we got it now. We did it. We did it. We took care. Finally, we got rid of Paul. He made us so angry. He just, boy, oh, we got rid of Paul. We don't have to worry about this. They felt they had taken care of this once and for all. Look at verse 20. 
And this is amazing. But while the disciples stood around him, Paul, he got up and entered the city. The next day he went away with Barnabas to Derbe. Wow. He got up. There's no mention of a miraculous healing here. There's no mention of a, of a raising of the dead here. There's, it's, it, there, there is no mention here that Paul actually was dead. They supposed him to be dead. And normally when you find someone who has risen from the dead, when, when uh, Jesus raises someone up or when the disciples are able to be a part of something like that, usually it's mentioned and it's very specific. He, he dead, he alive now. I mean, normally it's very, very, very clear. But I don't think we're seeing that Paul died here, but I think we're seeing he's pretty close. He must have been close enough, knocked out, close enough to where they felt he was because they left him there. And they're like, huh, yeah, we got him. We're out of here. But the disciples are standing around him. They're there with him. Do you think they prayed? I think they prayed. It doesn't say they did. It says the disciples stood around him. He got up and entered the city. Wow. What? Did you catch that? Wait a minute. Let's look at that again. What? What? Okay. He got up and entered the city. He went back into the city? Not me, brother. <laughs> not me. Oh, no, if you get me to the point where I'm almost dead and you think I am, I'm not coming back to your city. I'm not. I'm sorry. I'm going to feel a little unwelcome. Amen? I mean, I don't, think I, I don't feel like I really belong in your city if that's the way you're going to treat me. Bible says he went back into the city. He stayed overnight. The next day, he went with Barnabas to Derby. 30 miles. After almost, after, I mean, after being stoned and, and thought to be dead, he makes a trip the next day, 30-mile trip to Derby. Wow. What I think did happen was a miraculous healing. I think a miraculous healing occurred. You can't, I mean, it's kind of hard to avoid thinking that if, he, if they thought he was dead and he's able to get up and go on a 30-mile trip the next day, something happened. Something took place. According to verse 21, Paul preaches, and many disciples are made. They then returned to Lystra. Wow. To Iconium and Antioch, really? To encourage the believers to continue in the faith. <laughs> he goes back. He goes back to these cities that said, we don't want you here. Had a big sign out front, maybe, with the big red circle and the line through it. Paul's name. I mean, you know, uh, no Paul, no Paul. We don't, you don't, you're not welcome here. You don't come here. Oh, yeah, he did. He went back. He went back to encourage the believers. He wanted them to know, look, hey, you're going to be okay. God is with you. Things are going to turn out okay. God is with you. Notice the last words of verse 22. And there it is. Through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. Wow. Is Paul talking about, is, is Paul talking about what just happened to him? Is Paul pointing them to the stoning that took place? Is Paul pointing them to what happened in his own life? Is Paul saying to them, look, it may, be, it may get rough. 
It may get tough out there. It may get very hard to live the Christian life. Is that what he's doing? I think he is. There are going to be times when that entrance into the family of God is going to be accompanied by persecution and you and I need to be ready for that. You and I need to be aware of that. You and I need to be aware that if we live our Christian lives out in this world in a kind and loving way, speaking the truth in love, still there are going to be some people that do not like it. And we smile at them and say, well, I forgive you, brother. I'm sorry you don't agree. I'll be praying for you. But in, in the most humble manner of serving the Lord, we are out in this world and we're preaching the gospel. We're sharing it with our mouths. We're teaching it with our lives. We're showing others who we are under a kind, loving, forgiving, but also just God. Who doesn't put up with garbage, but loves us. But doesn't put up with a lot of garbage in our lives. And wants us to deal with that as soon as as soon as, we're, as the Holy Spirit makes us aware of it. Verse 23. When they, had appointed, when they had appointed elders for them in every church. So you have these churches you know, that, have, that have arisen. Because, why? Because of the believers. When Paul and Barnabas shared Christ. and these, all the, It says many came to believe in Christ. Many came to, and to believe. The, they started organizing little groups, little churches. And so here it is, Paul uh, and Barnabas appoint elders, which is the equivalent of a pastor, for them in every church, having prayed with fasting. They commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Look, you are a church of the living God. You are a church of the living God. This group here is a church of the living God. This is it. Here you are. God, here are your children. Here are some more churches, more churches, more church families. Here are your people, O God. Luke, uh, or verse 23 tells us that they appointed those elders. Luke tells us they did it with fasting. They took time and prayed and did not eat for a while so that they could be clear about what was happening. At least four churches had been founded on this first missionary journey. One in Pisidian, Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, and Derbe. They then go through Pisidia and came to Pamphylia. They spoke at Perga, went to Attila. Attilia, uh, from there they sailed to Antioch where they had been sent out. Amazing. Look at verses 27 and 28. When they had arrived and gathered the church together, they began to report all the things that who had done? Who? God had done with them. And how he opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. And they spent a long time with the disciples. What a day that must have been when they made it back. When they made it back after the first journey and they were there and they said, Look, this is what happened, this is what happened, this is what happened. Look, let me tell you how many people. It was amazing. They all came to Christ. There were so many of them. It was amazing. Can you imagine being able to hear from Paul himself just sharing about what happened? Can you imagine how that must have been? Paul, did, were, everything went good? Well, it, yeah, there were a few hiccups. <laughs> a few hiccups. <laughs> I got stoned, but, you know, that's not what I want to talk to you about. You need to know about these people that came to Christ. Oh, my goodness. Wow. The Bible tells us they didn't spend a little time, but a long time with the disciples there in Antioch. Sharing with them, encouraging them. 
What do we learn from this passage of Scripture this morning? Only God can perform miracles. Only God should be praised for miracles. And God's message will continue despite persecution. God's message will be shared. You and I are the ones who are to share it. You and I are the ones who are to share the good news of the gospel. Let us be about the business of the kingdom. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for Paul and Barnabas and this first missionary journey that they took. God, they continued to share, even though they were threatened with their lives. They continued to share. Lord, may you find that obedience in us. May you find that same desire for people to know who you are that we would risk our own lives making it happen. It's that important, Father. Help us to see that. Maybe there's someone here this morning that has never trusted in Christ. They've never said, look, I need this Jesus. I need to be forgiven of my sins. I need Christ in my heart, God in control of my life. I need that. Maybe you'd like to give your heart to Him this morning. We're going to sing a hymn of response in just a few moments. And as we sing... If the Lord is leading you to come, would you do that? Maybe you know someone who needs to know Jesus. Would you take some time to pray for them? Please do not stop praying for those who need to know Him. Father, we thank You for Your great love and Your forgiveness. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. It's so good to have you along here on the podcast, Words of Encouragement. I do hope that we have been an encouragement to you, and I hope that we continue to be uh, just that. Uh, and I do hope that if you're listening to this on the day it's released, which is Thanksgiving, that you and your family have a great Thanksgiving. I know sometimes uh, when we gather together to ask the Lord's blessing, sometimes we really do need to do just that. We need to ask God's blessing, not only on the food, but on our family. Sometimes uh, some of us have some issues with our family. Sometimes they, sometimes some of the members of our family have issues with us. You know, this would be a perfect time to kind of take some time to deal with those issues. Now, I know that you think, well, I, I just it's never going to be solved. Well, sometimes when we gather together, we need to give a little. Uh, we need to look at uh, what's going on and to realize what's more important, the relationship or just or the issue that we're uh, squabbling about. What is, what's more important? You know, your family's the only family you're probably ever going to have, and you need to make the most of it, and you need to get along with every member of your family. Now, you may think, well, I can only tolerate some for, for only a certain amount of time. <laughs> well, do that. Do that. Get to know them. Learn to have some patience. Ask God to help you to just listen to them. Uh, maybe they're uh, chronic talkers. Maybe they can't stop talking. Just listen. Just listen. Uh, knowing that uh, maybe that one day of holiday is going to be, you know, it's going to be a long time before it happens again. Just listen to your, your family member. Maybe there is an issue that has uh, come between you and another family member. Would you try and work that out? Would you give a little, uh, just, just realize that the relationship is more important than anything? Listen, uh, when it all works out, you can definitely not misplace your praise. You can definitely praise God for 
uh, helping the situation to work itself out. I, I pray that it will be a good time as you gather together again. Until next time, remember you matter to God and to us at the First Baptist Church of Winsboro.